not a bad dream. And as the night progressed, drenched in silliness. Hello and welcome to Swiped, a podcast about modern dating. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has. I'll answer that for you. I apologize. It's been a busy few months, but I have a lot of new, fresh content coming your way soon. I actually recorded a new episode tonight with a remote guest, and unfortunately I lost the audio, so we will re-record that interview and get it posted as soon as possible. But this following conversation is fantastic as well. had it with my friend Kristen, and I really urge you to stick around for the final 10 minutes where we take a turn on the podcast where it has yet to go to this point. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Yeah, you suck. Don't I get my entrance music? Yeah, that that comes afterwards, actually. Oh, okay. That That's in, like, post. Yeah, yeah. So actually, the post way that point, happens no? is, uh, <laughs> like, I hit record, like, five minutes ago mm-hmm. and we just pick it up mid conversation so yeah if you're a podcast person you notice that a lot of podcasts because what's the good way to actually start a podcast like mm-hmm. without music i mean i could pick up the acoustic and mm. like play a little song Let's and do then a song. yeah we could close with a song. We could. Yeah. I'll sing something. There, there's been some... Uh, actually, zero music has taken place in this space since really? I've moved in. Yeah, oh, zero. Oh, we need to christen it. Zero. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Christen it. Yeah, christen it. Nice. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Very clever. So, I guess the good place to start... Uh, the good place that I always like to start... Awkward rattling. Okay. We're good. Oh, yeah. The good place to start is always from the beginning. So, in terms of uh, high school, <laughs> what kind of dater were you in high school, would you say? <laughs> I'm trying to decide how honest I want to be. <laughs> 100%. That's the only okay, so way to really, do it. Okay, so really, honestly, yeah. when I started dating, like when I started to have relationships with people that were based on people and not like, I gave a blowjob, everybody liked me because I said that I gave a blowjob, was <laughs> when I uh, I dated someone my senior year. My junior year, I met him at Missouri Fine Arts Academy at Spring- in Springfield at Missouri State. You don't have to be that specific. Yeah. Like, no, we don't I know. have to Google no, this guy. I won't go- yeah. We don't Google him. He... But uh, he, we were, like lost our virginity to each other, and it was very serious. So I'm like a ser- I guess I'm a, I started out a serious dater, other than like trying to be cool by being like, yes, I also do sex as a child because like fuck, like I went to a school where like children were like fucking. It was terrifying. Like eleven to twelve year olds were like. That's really I weird. In, to I me. grew up in North County in in St. Louis, and there was just 
there's some rough shit going on. <laughs> yeah. So and so it was actually you know you got you got like made fun of if you hadn't had sex when you were like a a preteen, which was terrifying. I mean, it was just like disgusting. That's so weird. It was to weird. Think for it me. was very weird. That's so. But weird. But I remember, I remember people making fun of me because like I was a normal child that was aging the way that you're supposed to and not the doing right things. way. Yeah. There. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm, I mean, yeah. just like didn't have as fucked up of a family. As well, I mean, let's be real. I don't think that it's really healthy Mm-mm. for a 12 year old no. to be sexually active. No. I, I'm, it absolutely like, isn't. Really. So um, when I was in so college. So that's why I like hesitated because I was like, I mean, are you talking about like what I tried to prove? Are you talking about what I actually tried to to date where it was an emotional connection to another human being? Because those were different. And for a lot of my friends, I think they were different too. It was weird. Yeah. So when I was in college, I spent a couple of years in this community in Southern Illinois. Cairo, Illinois. So, um, Cairo, yeah, it's Cairo. Middle of town. There's it's, a Gillian Welch song about that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> With isn't Dave it? Rollins. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what I found was that at the high school, the local high school, there was a 25% pregnancy rate. Mm-mm. Like a quarter of the kids were pregnant. And as I spent more time within the school district, it was because they didn't have anything else to do. And then also, sex education was non-existent, and they were taught abstinence only, which is obviously, you know, it's not the the best way. So, I don't know. So, that that's in line with what I saw. Ours was a weird... Hmm. I don't know exactly what, but I'm trying to pin it on something like... Uh... Like, blue-collar lifestyle, poverty. Um, there was, like, a, a certain, like, something to prove. Really young. You had, like, you had, like, learned the darkness of life, like, pretty young, and you wanted to prove yourself, like, not uh, immune to it. I don't know. It was weird. So, you were a pretty serious dater from a young age. Yeah, yeah. 17, I, you know, dated seriously. So do you feel like that has stayed consistent through life? Um, unfortunately. <laughs> Why do you say unfortunately? <laughs> because I've, I'm an overcommitter, for sure. An early committer, an overcommitter. Okay, so I've known you for a year and a half mm-hmm. or so now. Yeah. And I think that would be the first thing that I would think. When I think of, like, <laughs> your dating persona... Mm-hmm. I would totally say, like, that's, that's like, your thing. <laughs> and what I've known you is, like, a, a person that's very fast mm-hmm. to commit. So how does that, how does that start? Like, why? I think, I think it feels like I am excusing something. Like, making up for something, like... Uh, I think I feel it feels like I'm doing something right if I do that. Like I, I don't know. I think I, I think I do that as a human though. I think I feel like I owe people things. I think I feel like I owe other people things. Like if people are good to me, I owe them like some kind of devotion. I do it with girlfriends too. 
Like, people who are friends that treat me like shit, I will still devote to because they have been my friend and I know things about them and I've held secrets for them or I've held a place in their life I feel um, obligated to continue uh-huh. and to uphold for them. So I think it's just kind of a personal thing. I think it's like a... I don't know. So when I was four, I remember this memory from... I was I was visiting my dad at work and... I call it self-destructive empathy now, <laughs> but I never had a term for it before. But I was visiting S-T-E. my dad at work, and I was coloring in my uncle's office. My dad and my uncle have offices next to each other. It's super cute, like old Hill family business. Um, and my dad and my uncle have these conjoined offices, and I was coloring on my uncle's office floor. And my dad came down and sat down next to me and was coloring with me, and he colored this baby's foot the color of the blanket which I was coloring blue because I like the color blue and my dad was like oh I'm so sorry I messed it up that's supposed to be the baby's foot and I colored it blue and I just burst out crying because I felt so upset that he felt bad (laughs) oh my god I can't handle it like my dad feels upset for doing something wrong and like I was just like shit fuck ah Ugh, I can't handle that. I can't handle that emotion in other people. And so I think like I've literally just had this weird inborn like over empathy that like is like if someone feels upset, I'm like, okay, I'll fix it. It's fine. Fuck. Like just. Uh. And then next thing you know, you're in a long term relationship with that person. <laughs> I think somehow that carries over. I don't I don't have an exact answer, but I yeah. think that is an emotion that I've always struggled with, with just like picking up other people. Sh- it's like. You know, I could have just been like, oh, that's fine. It's cool. It's fine. You did, you did a thing and you felt bad about it. It's okay. But it, like for some reason, that was like, cat. I just remember that still. That was like one of my earliest memories of just being like, God, that's catastrophically sad that this human is sorry for doing something wrong <laughs> ah. <laughs> and sorry for messing up something that I was doing. And like, it's just so weird. It's like, a, a, it's, I can you know, trace it to other things in my life where I felt this like self-destructive empathy, Hmm. this over empathetic sense of other people's feelings. That's not really healthy. And that leads me to some non, some unhealthy, uh, interactions with people. So, I mean, you, you think of yourself as, you know, like someone who commits quickly, Mm Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a situation where you've like pumped the brakes a bit or mm-hmm. or I mean so I'll say on my end I've had situations where I've committed very quickly in the past <laughs> Are we supposed to use names? Sorry. <laughs> Blank that out. Yeah, yeah. That's, just that's make it a beep. Like when yeah, you go back yeah. this will just be like boop. Yeah, that's totally going to be a beep. <laughs> So we actually should she have. She doesn't uh, have a name. Yeah, we should have. Her name's Voldemort. Yeah, we we should have hit ground rules before we started this. So uh, that's easily <laughs> Googleable. So uh, so so realistically, yeah, yeah, I will say in the past, I've I've definitely had situations where I have committed faster than I wanted to. And the funny thing is, I've always had that feeling like when I've started to commit too quickly, I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, it's like this like little like hitch where you're like, oh shit, bad, run. And it, it spirals out of control. And like you know that it's happening, but sometimes it's hard to like hit the brakes and say, hold on, let's mm-hmm. slow down. 
Let's be very deliberate. I know with this, this is supposed to be about my overshare, but I remember exactly which example you're talking about, where you're on the bar patio. And you were like, oh, this person yeah. wants to say the I-L-Y word, and I'm going to say it, but I don't know why, because I know that it's not a great idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah Lots yeah, of those exactly. moments. Yeah. yeah. Totally those moments. I can relate. So, so in <laughs> your case, I mean, I will say that I think on my end, I've gotten in those situations in the past because it feels like some sort of deep-rooted situation from probably childhood. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, mm-hmm. um, so it's it's similar on your end, mm-hmm. you, you're thinking. Mm-hmm. So... And it's weird, I think, I, I don't know, I think that there was something to be said. I think that the reason we started at, like, a place where we talked about a little of the darkness where I grew up was just, like, yeah, I think, I think it was some kind of, like, trying to... Uh, I don't know shrug that off a bit maybe i was trying to distance myself from something i had seen so you have like your dating history real dating history that started when you were 17 and i think that was about the same time that i started really um seriously seriously mm-hmm. i'm making you <laughs> seriously you for think it, it is a then it's it's Serious you think that you're done mm-hmm. dating at some time? Like, oh my god, we're gonna get married. We're ob- Did you... obviously, oh yes, we were gonna hella get married. We were the most married 17 year olds. <laughs> you, do you guys have like wedding plans oh, yes. and kids? Yes. And... That was the only person I ever did that with. <laughs> I can't date. say the same. To date. Maybe to not date. total. Like, the only person I ever did it with where I wasn't like, yeah, right. <laughs> So, okay, so you had that in high school, mm-hmm. so you went away to college. What was college like for you dating, dating-wise? That person, um, the high school firster, uh, he super shattered my heart, and mm-hmm. so I took a little detour into, like, I'm gonna get fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> lots of, uh, lots of waking up on you know a friend's couch in my clothes from the night before and like breath breakfasting on you know keystone light kind of it was there's some good like classic college years in there eggs and eggs yeah 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 it was very uh i don't think eggs that was too classy for us we didn't buy food but <laughs> <laughs> maybe cheesy but maybe like the sam's like Ool's cheesy poofs, like the big oh, yeah. tall container the big, with the UHL. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I got you. Maybe that. <laughs> so there's a cup there's a year or two of that in the dorms and just like uh you know, just like, okay, fine. I'm gonna be you know single. Yeah. It's a, so so yeah. I Maybe I mean, self destructive, but single is a good word. But I feel like I don't know if it's really self-destructive at a collegiate age. It's like self-affirming in a weird, rebellious way. It's finding yourself. Yes. And in my opinion, that's what, you know, college was great for, is for finding myself. Not really for the educational aspect. I found myself, like, listening to Ryan Adams, like, to be young is to be sad is to be high, like, with a flask-sized bottle of Evan Williams shoved in my pants, like, just, I was scrappy. Like, I remember remember being scrappy and then realizing it and being like, I'm proud of this. Yes, swig. Like, (laughs) 
for for me, I I found my college age to be like really conflicting mm-hmm. uh, because there was a part of me that was still that still felt a lot of guilt for a lot of things that I did, but yeah. then there's the part of me that wanted to find myself and do mm-hmm. new things mm-hmm. and experience new to things. To feel in control. And, yeah, yeah. For the first time yeah. in my life, mm-hmm. I had freedom. Mm-hmm. And that kind of took charge in my dating life, kind mm-hmm. of. Which, <laughs> college dating, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's an entirely different situation, but it felt, it could feel very adult. Mm-hmm. Because... Because you're like, oh my gosh, I stay at their place. Yeah. Wow. That's the first time that you can ever do something like that. Yeah. Like, stay at their dorm, get mm-hmm. signed in, and, you know, get <laughs> they can swipe you in at mm-hmm. the dining hall the next day for, for you know, like, on their meal Donuts plan. and mac and cheese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I take my uh, Tupperware and, you know, slip out some extra food for a dorm. But, um... <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. I mean, college is definitely a weird time for dating. And, you know, I mean, I I feel like those were some of the loneliest, like, roughest dating years for me. Mm -hmm. Because I was just so lost. Mm -hmm. You know, I I had no real Mm self-identity. And... As a woman, that just translates to being, like... uh... I don't know, looking back, I'm like, oh, God, you were such a tool of the patriarchy, (laughs) which sounds sounds so, like, uh, cliche, but really, honestly, I look back and I'm like, oh, no, like, you had no idea how How much you were playing into, like, oh, just stereotypical, like, women and men bullshit, you know, like, stereotypical gender role shit. Just, it's really easy in college to be that quote-unquote girl who... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Hmm. No sexual, um, no sexual self identity. Yeah, your your sexuality is is owned by the people who would say something about it after, and who would shame you for it. And you will feel that shame, you know, when you're not when you're not uh, sturdy enough to to say fuck you. No, this is mine. Uh, it was it was just that pre self realization stage of just being um, totally you know sexually devalued it's 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 depressing like thinking back that's what that's what i remember as a woman um that's what i remember of college you know dating quote unquote finding yourself it was it was a lot of like struggling with feeling like shit about yourself honestly mm-hmm. for for your own sexuality so do you think that that is more a product of the era that we lived in that we were experiencing or was it more the environment? Because I hope so. I hope it's the era. I don't know now. Yeah. I'm out of touch a little. You know, I don't have anybody in my life who's that age now. You know what's what's funny? So I was listening to a uh, podcast a few weeks ago uh, about the G spot. And... <laughs> and... And I don't know someone, why that was funny. Yeah, someone had gone on, the doctor that discovered this, had gone on uh, Phil Donahue show to discuss the G-spot. And she says that. And she's explaining what it is. And the crowd just gasped. Really? 
because it's shocking. No, oh, oh geez, Phil Donahue. Okay. Phil Donahue. I mean, this is like early nineties. Oh, 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 oh. So what I'm saying okay. is, you know, uh, and I've had this discussion with a few other people is that I feel like advances in technology have made people a little more open. Okay, here's where I'm at with sexuality, though. Like, even the G-spot. Even, like, here's how you make a woman have a pleasure. Like, it's just so weird and constructed and, like, clinical. And that's not how sex is. Like, sex is, like, very uh, personal and subjective. Mm -hmm. And so I think even now, I still think, like, even with things like find her G-spot. Here's how you find the G-spot. This is how you do a come-hither motion inside her pussy. Like, no... No, nobody's ever done that. And I've been like, wow. I mean, I've been like, there's a thing there, sure. But like, everybody is different. Like, I think that sex is is subjective. And I think that it's so much between partners that like, there's still a different frontier. Like, there's still not even just like that being mentioned on, you know, some kind of radio show. Like, there's like a different frontier where it's, it's realized that it's so personal and it's like so person to person and so subjective that like, there isn't just a prescriptive like find this and you'll drive your girl. There's no there's no uh you know 120 ways to make your man crazy. Like there's no cosmopolitan magazine cover version of sex. There just isn't. I I personally don't think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Where I'm at now. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it's funny because I remember thinking that I remember being like, well, I, I've read like these things and I think that there are these things that people should do and then they do them and I'm like, what? Oh. Like, some of it just doesn't work for me at all. <laughs> so, yeah. So, when, I, I guess that's a good lead-in to my next question. So, when you were dating, like, mm-hmm. maturing as a partner, where did the vast majority of influence that you had come from? I mean, so... So let me clarify. So, mm-hmm. you know, so you have like the Cosmo, you know, like someone can read mm-hmm. 110 ways to please your man. <laughs> so Not you Cosmo. can read that. My mom tried to give me a Cosmo recently. She was like, you're, you're, <laughs> she's like, your adopted grandma's gone crazy again. And she started, my, my, bless her. She's like a little bit early onset Alzheimer's uh-huh. and she's ordering magazines a lot for my mom. And so she had ordered my mom Cosmo. My mom was like, do you want this Cosmo? And I was like, mom, I don't fucking want that Cosmo. Like, fuck that Cosmo. <laughs> like, I was like offended kind of. Like, my mom's like, you would read this and I won't. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't read that. Why would you think I would read that? But I like, I don't know. I felt kind of like annoyed. But yeah, Cosmo resurfaced in my life. That's why I brought that up. So then, like, yeah, yeah. I looked no. at the cover and I was like, fuck that magazine. Get that so so yeah so i mean i feel like do you have to bleep out curse words i'm gonna be a bad candidate here no okay good this is a free space it's funny because um (laughs) so i listened to the first episodes of the season and i found that i curse a lot more than i do later in the season oh Uh, i'm not sure i curse a lot more in general always you do. We do. We both do. I, admittedly, we are both. You've learned um, a style. Yeah, pre-profane people. But um, so when I think about myself as a as a partner and as a dater, I don't think that I've had a lot of good resources. It has been a lot of trial and error. Well, like the best resource is a partner who is open-minded. 
How so? Mm, because you can talk about it. Like, oh, I've just found like the best resources to be someone I can like have an honest conversation about sex with. Like a partner who knows me sexually, but like also can like get to know me more. Like, I don't know. I just love, I love the idea of like equal people meeting on the same playing field and discussing sex. So I feel like, you like, know. Because what- that's what I mean. That's the subjectivity. It's like nobody can assign you what to do to someone else that you, they don't know. So like if you have a partner and you both kind of know each other and then you decide to get to know each other better, like that's where to me the like tips and tricks shit comes in. It's like, like yeah. let's discuss, you know, like how how that works with you. So for me, I I feel like, you know, um the most shallow level in terms of partnering and relationships and dating is the physical aspect, you know. um, But then I think about, like, truly trying to make something work on a deeper level where where I think about long-term potential rather than, you know, short-term potential. but that's why I'm saying why when I say that I don't feel like I've had a lot of great resources mm-hmm. as I've gotten older. So going past the physical aspect, do you feel like you've had somewhere that you've learned how to be a better partner, a better dater? Or has it been on the fly, like learning from mistakes, which is what I do? Learning from mistakes, I think. I mean, it's just gotten, like, deeply more emotional the older I got. And even in that, like, I would revisit... The only relationship I've ever gone back to is something that was deeply emotional. Um, So I think that, like, yeah, for me, the emotional connection had to be there for the sexual exploration and discussion to be even an option. Mm -hmm. And I think other than that, it was that magazine cover, you know? I would try to do the things that were like, oh... This is the thing that gets guys hot. <laughs> but that's <laughs> that thing... ridiculous shit, you know, that you hear and you like try to play out because you're like, oh, I heard that this is a thing. And I think that everybody does that. I think we're all influenced by like porn and like, you know, social dialogue of sex and social critique of sex. I think we're all uh, totally influenced by that. But I think that for me, it came down to emotional intensity of connection i mean really it's like i I was glad to find that out too i remember reflecting and being like wow the people that stick with me in my brain is like people that have influenced me sexually and who have influenced my life are people that i had this inexplicable connection with like this chemistry with that was like not like he has a good job he has this he does this it was more like i I don't know why the fuck i'm so attached to this person but i am like (laughs) can't forget this person and I wish that I could but I can't like those those are the the connections that have you know led to the biggest self-discovery in terms of sex so what you're saying is that you really don't have much of a checklist when Mm -hmm. it comes down to it when you're looking for a partner Mm -mm. so what's been interesting as I've gotten to know you and gotten to see, like, your dating scenarios, is that, for the most part, and you've said this yourself, you have a type. Mm. 
but you've departed from so i think of someone having a type as like here's a checklist Mm -hmm. you know like oh he's i wish i really wish that taylor could walk into this room names are bleeped out he doesn't give a fuck um i wish that taylor could walk into this room and like be like this is her type because he like he gets frustrated with me because it's like I've like often fallen into interactions with people who are over emotional to the point not not like a stereotypical way but like who don't have their emotional shit together who don't know themselves emotionally and so they like flounder you know and uh, kind of uh, deploy that shit onto you constantly and you it, it's it becomes your problem it becomes your problem to field their emotions and uh you know put them in the right places and try to help them down from those places and i've i've largely been involved uh seriously with people who had that going on who just didn't know themselves who had uh unpredictability and a little bit of over intensity in terms of the emotional scale that they showed other people and uh, so it's interesting to me that that was that was largely what I was attracted to. I don't know if it's because I feel like I can uh, exchange in that place. I think that I too can be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna call myself out. I can totally I can totally get down on that. And I think that I would feel like there was more of an exchange there, or maybe I confused intensity with real emotion. Like the intensity was was substituting in for a real connection i don't think that's necessarily how it works so that's exactly um the confusion of intensity with real connection so that's I'm gonna pull what my phone up while we talk and read you this quote that my mom's best friend sent me when she was drunk yeah so so <laughs> while you do that i'll i'll, I'll talk yeah, but yeah, yeah. um I feel like that gets back to the first thing that we were talking about mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about kind of overcommitting early. Mm-hmm. And for me, that has been, it's just been confusion on my mm-hmm. part about intensity. Yeah. And that has led to me overcommitting to something faster than I should have. Okay, you ready for some real talk? I'm going to lay it hit, on you. Hit this me is, with some real talk. This is my mom's good friend who is like, honey, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to text it to you right now. We're drunk on margaritas at, at Chili's. Chili's. <laughs> and she's, she sent me this text message of a, mm-hmm. of a photo. A person who never learned to trust confuses intensity with intimacy, obsession with care, and control with security. So. Doesn't that kind of hit hard, though? I mean, yeah. for being like a mom's friend quote during Chili's lunch while drunk. For, Doesn't that like kind of hit hard? It really- for like, I mean, for a uh, Facebook quote that's like. <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> let's paste it over, yes. like, a generic a, a stock photo. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, sunset. really, a person you never learned to trust, which, like, we could, we all have to be careful with our trust, mm-hmm. confuses intensity with intimacy, obsession with care, and control with security. So... I can see it. Yeah, so, so let's talk about that. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, some of the... Uh, situations that I've seen with you 
Um, and I've said I, I do the same thing because, mm-hmm. you know, at one at some point or another, we've both done like the exact same thing, same scenario. <laughs> We're the same person. We are, except, you know, different parts and colors and things like that. <laughs> different levels of melatonin. melanin. Melaton? Yeah, 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 yeah. How's that work? So, uh, so. I know science. Really? Yeah. Are we going to ignore science on this podcast or? <laughs> We just gonna toss that out and act like it doesn't exist, but Melatin. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's make up alternative science. So, uh, so In the spirit of the fucking day. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm not. I'm saying I've been very guilty of this in the past as well. But um, in terms of like a quick commitment, like how. Has that happened for you in, like, say, the time that we've known each other? Like, so for the person I knew that lived far away mm-hmm. in a castle. <laughs> on top of a mountain. On top of a mountain. <laughs> for the person I dated long distance. Um, it wasn't really that quick, honestly. It wasn't meant to be. I think... That's where it's weird. It's like I don't decide this. It's not like something where I'm like, I'm going to devote all my energy into this one situation uh, right now. It's not It's not a conscious choice, really. Uh, but with that person, I just, I, I think I don't have room. I think I don't have room for the amount of intensity and closeness that I feel mm-hmm. to people. I don't, I don't have room to feel it with multiples. So... You're left-handed. I am. How did you not know that? <laughs> I think I did and I forgot. Yeah, so I, I, she's responding because I oftentimes take notes during the discussion. <laughs> when, when things jump out to me and, mm-hmm. and you, you finish that thought. So um, so the overcommitment in the long-distance situation one of the things which is a hallmark because of the overcommitment can i say i will totally call myself out yeah long distance is a great safety net for an overcommitter how so because you can't totally overcommit to someone that isn't there <laughs> so you can't <laughs> Simply see each put, other you literally cannot so i think that i like kind of jibe with long distance situations because it keeps me a slight bit safe beyond my control. I don't have to control it. I don't have to be careful. I don't have to slow it down because they literally are farther away. So yeah, I, I just showed you He's my note. It says long distance. Long distance. No. Uh, so one of the things, <laughs> and, and I found myself in several long distance relationships mm-hmm. and Isn't one of great? the things yeah i love them one of the things that i really <laughs> like is the fact that it still gave me the opportunity to have my own life yes um, spend time alone there's space there's yes. there's built in space yes. through distance so you're right when i say you know when when we both acknowledge like it's a good thing for someone who might commit quickly. So, yeah. so you know, so you have that. And it's a slight bit of forced health. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have that. And then you have, like, a uh, more local uh, scenario that is Moves another. Too fast. So how... Me, yeah, how... 
So, I mean, it, it there are two sides to a relationship. So, mm-hmm. you know, you acknowledge that it's moving too fast. Mm-hmm. Why would you say it was so difficult to take a step back and, like, pump the brakes? Mm. Relief. As someone who has put myself out there a lot, I think when I last dated in town... Um, it was an online dating situation. I dated for one week online. <laughs> and I met this person at the end of that week. And we dated for about a month. And then mm-hmm. he told me he loved me. And I was like, <laughs> like Initial feeling was like, like, oh, shit. That's been a month. Like, you don't. But, like, I'm going to go ahead and hear you because that feels great. Like, everybody else sucks. <laughs> like, so tired. Like, I was just worn out. And I was kind of like, you know, it feels good to just fall into that and just, like, believe that that's true, even though I really honestly did not believe that that was healthy or true or the right timing. Um, but I remember being like, okay, I'm just going to be drunk and cry <laughs> because, so, because this is a relief feeling compared to, you know, a lot of situations that are maybe wrong. This wasn't a wrong situation. It was just a way too soon and probably eventually wrong situation. Yeah. And uh, I, I just remember having the hitch, but being like, I'm going to go ahead and actively ignore that hitch and just go ahead and be like, yes, yay, love. <laughs> we can be there. So do you think that, um, as I take more notes, <laughs> I do you think that it was more on your end when you say comfort do you think it was uh, I'm ready to be done and I'm ready to oh, yeah. settle down? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like I'm tired of being single. I mean, I wasn't single long enough by far, but I just hadn't learned really about how great that can be. Like I hadn't learned about time on my own and what that meant. Um, I lived in a, in a smallish town for a long time and it was really easy to get an overcommitted um, codependent situations in a small town where you know everyone. It's just, it's just It's just better. You help each other through that shit. Um, and it's very easy to find in a small town like that. So I think that I had come out of that, moved to St. Louis, didn't know anyone. And I was like, oh, I'm tired of being alone. Like I'd been alone for a while. I was, uh, this was like six days. <laughs> no, this is like, uh, what? March or April, April, early April. And I had moved here in August of 2015. So it was a, it was a bit. That I was, like, fundamentally, like, not dating anyone yeah. that was in my presence. And uh, and so to have someone be really into me that was, like, around and could immediately be in my presence, I was kind of like, yeah, 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 I missed that. Yes. Like, <laughs> let's have a person that we know better than all the other people. Let's just hide here. Like, it was very refreshing. I think I, I, think I really sought that comfort. And I, I loved, I mean, I don't have, I didn't at that point, I, I knew you. Um, and I knew a few other people, but I didn't have a lot of really close friends yet either. So I was like, okay, friend, uh, lover, like you're built in, you're a built in deal that I get that I can finally not be as lonely as I am. And so I, it was very much about the comfort. It was like, I'm going for this. I'm balls to the wall because this feels like what I know. This feels like what I did before. And I'm ready to stop doing this weird alone thing where I have to navigate everything in a different way. So, to kind of get back to what we were talking about a a few minutes ago about types, Mm -hmm. it seems like between long distance and in town, 
it has been a very similar type of man. Mm. So do you... uh, I don't know. The in-town man was a little different. How so? He is largely more uh, self-possessed and self-aware. Which was difficult. (laughs) So... (laughs) Because I was used to navigating people who were not that way. (laughs) So, uh, like, self-aware... Um, self-aware in the sense that, like... Like, he figured out pretty quickly that what he had done by being like, I, I love you, was, yeah. like, a little overzealous. Yeah, okay, that's what I was Like, he at. pretty quickly was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Which I appreciate. And now he's, like, one of my best friends. Yeah. And, and that is why. I mean, we're, we're quite different from one another. And he, and he will remark on my, you know other dating experiences and be like god it just is always so dramatic does it always have to be a three-page dramatic text like i'll read him things and i'll be like what's your opinion on this and he's like my opinion on that is that that's a lot of fucking energy like he's like how how do you have that much energy to read that shit he's like i'm just overwhelmed when i hear one of those texts he's like how do you just do that all the time so to his credit he was a bit of a he was a bit of a break in the uh, usual pattern I think he kind of went there. I think we both kind of went there because this is a whole different. This is a whole different podcast. <laughs> yeah. But my opinion on online dating is that if you are in the right mindset, it can over convenience things for you. You can find mm. the right person for you so easily because you're both expecting to. And so I think what happened to me and that person is that we were like both looking for a very specific thing, and we both had the same idea. And so we were like, oh, you're it, because you also are looking. And so we forced each other into that mold really quickly. And then slowly realized, like, nope, neither of us fit this. This isn't right. But at that moment when he was overzealous with I love you was, you know, was like when we were like, oh, yay, we found the thing, because we both had the same idea. It was easy to trick ourselves into thinking that we had found something remarkable just because we both wanted it really badly so i think what's what's really interesting about that to me and it's probably it might be one of the areas that we disagree on is (laughs) online dating in general yeah yeah so so what i think you know and the problem that i run into with online dating is just like the abundance of people (laughs) so i i remember the uh years ago the first time that i signed up on match <laughs> so i get on i actually paid money which, <laughs> so so I, I i paid for like a month of match and the shocking thing for me and overwhelming thing for me was getting on and i log on for a first time i set my preferences and i hit that search button and then I look, and up comes pages of pictures of women. It was too much. Mm-hmm. How do I know who mm-hmm. to click on? Mm-hmm. I have no idea why this person's better than this other person yes. off of the I basis of a thumbnail. Sure. So that's been my main issue with online dating is... You know, there's not much of a commitment. People are a little flaky, and it's like, well, if this doesn't work out, 
in the slightest bit if I don't like your shoes. <laughs> we can say no next. to this date. <laughs> I'm going to hit next in real life, mm-hmm. you know, like next on MTV. Like mm-hmm. hit next and I'll go home and I'll log on match or okay keep it or black people meet or Christian mingle or oh, farmers no, only. <laughs> yeah, so I could log on to any of those sites and have pages of mm-hmm. people. So I feel like it leads to things being a little flaky, but mm-hmm. you seem to disagree with that. Mm. I just felt I think I think it was flaky. It was plenty flaky in my convenience. I mean I, I went out with this guy that was great and he made me feel like I had to be on point. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I can never see you again because I have to be in my best behavior. And that is not how I am. I'm way too open as a human. So I was like, I can never <laughs> I can never pull that off again. That was the longest hour of my life. He was very put together, uh, adorable Puerto Rican man. And I was just like, nope, no, I have to be so impressive around you. I cannot. And maybe that wasn't true. Maybe that was my own brain but i was just like Ugh, i'm exhausted yeah. <laughs> like that was a difficult trial to be like as <laughs> as upstanding as i was in your presence so um no but i just felt like taylor and i both had a very specific idea of what type of relationship we wanted to have and so when we found someone who had a similar type of idea who had a similar vision of something that we could you know pretend for a little bit we were like, oh, my God, <laughs> you're coming to my hometown. We're going to a wedding together. Like, I'm going to buy an apartment in your building. Oh, wait, I don't actually like you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which was, like, difficult, but okay. Like, it really did. The fact that we can be such good friends was kind of shocking, too. It was like, what did we get out of online dating? Like, what was it that we... Ugh, it was weird. It was like we both ha- have had long conversations about this. And he, his girlfriend now, he met online. And she's great. And, like, they are a really good fit. And it was just a totally different encounter. But before that, he had a couple of months of, like, crisis with it, too, where he was like, I don't know. Like, I don't understand, like, how this could happen. How are we so incompatible? But we thought for, you know, a couple, you know, four or five months that we were so compatible. How? And I think it was because we really wanted to. I think that was the most shocking thing for me as an outsider Mm -hmm. whenever we would talk about, you know, this situation was how fast things were moving. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the moment, sometimes it's hard to realize that. Mm -hmm. And you might... Something might slip out of your mouth in a certain moment that you're like, it comes halfway out. (laughs) And you want to eat those words and you want to shove them right back in your mouth. Or maybe it's like a comparison-based thing. Like, I've spent this much time alone, so this amount of time seems suddenly like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how that works. So, do you see that as something that has improved as you've aged in terms of like the fast like the pace of dating oh absolutely like the guy that i'm dating now he'll like he gives disclaimers before like everything he ever says that's nice he's like i know we're taking it slow i know that you're not into commitment right now but 
and then I'll say a nice thing and I'm like, dude, you don't have to disclaim everything you say. Like, I'm not going to freak out and run away because you said something nice. But like, I've made it so clear that I'm like being, I think I'm like over, I'm like a little bit overcompensating for the amount of <laughs> yeah. rush that I've been before. Now I'm kind of like, okay, we're going to take it easy. We're going to like go into this slow. I'm going to like really know before I make any kind of verbal commitment or like emotional commit- commitment to anyone. Um, I think I'm totally overcorrecting, which is, it was funny. I didn't realize it until I heard it out of his mouth. I mean, he's trying to be respectful of what I've said, but I was like, oh, I didn't know I'd said it that much that you're like, <laughs> you have to say it. You have to like reassure me in your in your own mind. You have to reassure me before anything you say that's romantic or nice <laughs> because I've been apparently such a spaz ass about taking it slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've totally overcorrected, which is probably good i mean that's probably for the best you know i i will say the uh some of the more successful and we'll actually get back to that type thing because i just looked down at my notes but and i i want to share something on uh, my avoiding that yeah 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 oh i know but (laughs) which is why why i just keep avoiding the type we continue to make our way back because probably i don't know the answer and i'm like yeah but um (laughs) i i found that as an adult some of the most successful relationships that i have been in have been ones where i've taken it slowly and you know i think about one in particular or a few where you know it's taken maybe a month or weeks for things to get really truly physical um do you find like and do, do you have a, a a situation where you've you found that you've taken things slowly that as an adult because I mean all I can attest for is what I've known of you over like the mm-hmm. last year and a half which mm-hmm. has been anything but slow mm-hmm. you know and, and I I just remember thinking as an outsider we talk and you tell me like a new revelation and it's yeah, like yeah. whoa <laughs> whoa that's nuts you know and I'd be like wow I am entertained Dang. as a result <laughs> yeah yeah so do you think, um, like, as you get older, like, you, you say, like, current situation. So I have a weird thing. I have this, like, internal thing. And I think that it's, like, slightly related to that over-empathy I talked about. Like, that, like, weird self-destructive empathy where literally I'll hear how something's going to affect someone else in my brain before I'll think about my own feelings on the subject. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I date this person, won't that person that really hated them in college be really mad? Like, What? fuck's sake man like live your life but like i have trouble with that and i'll hear you know i'll hear outside judgment before and i think that's common i really do think that's more common than people admit to themselves or to other people um but i uh i think it's part of that which is that boundaries for me are not necessarily externally set they're oftentimes internal so like i can still talk to people who i once had a deep emotional connection with who you know my stepmom god love her will like just totally berate me for talking to you she's like why wouldn't you just cut them out of your life they don't deserve any of your time and it's like because they're cut out 
or they're not. Like, I mean, they're still cut out. I can talk to them. I can be super nice. I can be like the nicest person, but my heart is just shut. Like there's not space for them anymore. I can be outwardly kind and super, um, super accommodating and super, you know, uh, cordial with them, but like they'll never get as close as they once were. And so I don't know. I think that boundaries for me are largely internal um, and, and they don't really have much to do. I mean, they, they can manifest in the way that I treat people externally, but they don't have to. I can, I can, somebody can never know that something's changed. They'll just feel it and they can't explain it. And they'll never get as close to me as they once were. And I don't, I don't know. It's weird. So I think that, that has something to do with, with how I have moved faster, moved slow. It's, it's more of like a, I'm, I'm not necessarily, I mean, there, there are external changes, but I'm not necessarily going to be that much different on the outside. It's more so just a self-talk thing. It's like, all right, slow down. This person isn't your whole future. This person isn't your whole world. This person doesn't know you and you don't know them. Like it's more of a self-talk thing. It's more of a slowing myself down internally. It's more of a, uh, having having healthy boundaries with my own emotions and that's something that only I can control they can't control my emotions I can't control theirs so I think it's also a maturing in the way that I view personal relationships interpersonal relationships Mm -hmm. which is just like you can't control them they can't control you you just work on this and so I think a lot of my recent more recent slow moving things have been have been based on my own personal like uh, control over just just realization that I am in control of just me and then my own realization that uh you know I can I, it can be here it doesn't have to be like a big show I don't yeah. have to be like hey we're moving slow by the way by the way we're moving slow hey don't move fast because no like just calm the fuck down and just do it like you can just you can express that in your everyday actions <laughs> so one of the things that jumped out to me um and I just took a note down that we'll discuss after a brief commercial break <laughs> is uh, that I want to talk about further is like breakup etiquette. And, and, and <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, this is this is a big aspect of modern oh, dating no. that's changing yeah. as technology evolves. I have a so, great story about that. Springfield, yeah, so, Missouri has a whole different breakup etiquette than anywhere other than places that size. That's yeah. So <laughs> let's let's pause here yeah. for a quick second, mm-hmm. and then that's where we're going to resume. Yay! Cheers. Welcome back to Swipe, the podcast about modern dating. <laughs> After brief I've never swiped break. in my life. You've never swiped in your life. I've never done Tinder. Really? No. Uh, not even like Bumble, black no, people meet. No, believe it or not. No, no. I've only done OK Cupid for seven days. Seven days, and that's it. That's, that's been your foray it. into the uh, online dating that world. Was the whole thing. Wow, lucky, as some people <laughs> might put it, to I to guess. not deal with it. So you know, one of the things that we do talk about episode to episode, um, and Initially, the thought behind this podcast was the fact that advances in technology have made dating... Well, advances in technology are supposed to progress uh, us as a culture. 
but I feel like it's made certain aspects of dating and relationships and interpersonal things uh, to be more difficult and Mm -hmm. more confusing. So right before break, I mentioned breakup etiquette. And I, I think about the situation that you briefly mentioned where you were talking about like the ex that bought uh, bought a condo <laughs> and your he lives in my building building <laughs> so what it what what is that like what what happened like you broke up and he broke up with me he broke up with you because he was braver yeah because <laughs> i knew that it was right but i was sad about that because he really is a great guy yeah and i was like i haven't dated a lot of those damn it I like those. So <laughs> now I now I have a taste for great guys and I would like that to keep going. But it wasn't a good fit. So post breakup. So post breakup mm-hmm. he bought this condo. A week before breakup he A signed. week before. <laughs> yes. So when you broke up. Yes. And you're like, he's in my building. Well, he, he had a month to move it. He was gonna move in, in a month. So, what was your initial feeling? Fucking shit. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I have to live next to this person I have feelings about, and it's going to be stressful. And then I was like, you know what? I need space. He wanted to be friends immediately. He was like, I just think that we would be great friends, and I don't think we make a great partnership. Otherwise, it smells hella like weed. Yeah. Modelo Motel. smells hella like some skunk ass weed. Yeah, it does. It's really <laughs> weird. And I, I've never That's noticed right, it. I was like, you found your vape. Yeah. It I've, smells like weed in here. I've no, never noticed it until yes. tonight. So. Yep. So, mm. yeah, I find that <laughs> interesting. A week before. So, realistically, he knew that. Oh, yes. That's what I was It say. was yes. over. Yes. And he still bought mm-hmm. this condo. Because at that point, his brain had, you know, gone far enough ahead that he was like, we're going to be the best of friends. And I was like, no, God damn it. This sucks. And so I was like, I need some space. I need some time. And I, he would try to talk to me. And I was like, no, I need some space. I need some time. And so um, I took about a month and a half, maybe two, where I was just like, give me my room. Give me my space. I saw him moving in. It was awkward. I was like, no, I don't want to talk to you yet. And uh, and then once we started hanging out, it was like our relationship started. It was like we had had this weird relationship that felt kind of awkward, but I ignored that because I wanted it. And then when we started being friends, it was like this relationship built. And I was, you know, at that point when we broke up, I was like, God, he's a kind of robotic. Like he doesn't have emotions. What the hell? And that's like so rude. I don't know. It's short-sighted in, in hindsight. He totally does, but we really were not a good fit. And as we've become friends, I've been like, wow, you have so much depth as a person. It's like I've gotten to get so so much closer to him being the type of relationship that we were meant to be than I was able to get close to him as, as a, you know, dating, romantic, whatever relationship. Well, that's the point of dating yes, to an exactly. extent, to figure exactly. it out, you know, and, and that gets back to, like, our very first topic about finding yourself in yes. college and that's a lot of what dating is is figuring and for me, out self-worth i mean that was huge so this was like rejection one of a few 
in a really hard year where I got rejected by people that I deemed myself, you know, really into. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, God, rejection. You are a piece of shit. Ah! And I realized through that that I had issues to resolve with myself, self-worth issues that were pretty deep-seated and pretty long-standing, um, where I was putting myself second always in these relationships. You know, they called the shots. They controlled the pace. They, uh, you know, whomever I was dating was in charge of how that went. And I was just like, oh, yay, oh, you love me, okay. Or like, oh, no, you don't, I will make it right. And it was always up to me. It was always, I was always driving the, the bus. And um, I think that the, the real lesson there was like, okay, you have some issues that have nothing to do with the people you're dating. They have something to do with the way that you are on your own. Or, or alone and so I was really glad that a couple of these things happened like that I was glad that that happened because it was like okay you know come to terms with the fact that you have work to do here before you can really honestly date in a healthy manner so if you were to look over the next 10 years of yourself as a partner do you what do you have identified as like room for growth areas for improvement things that you want to fix so i have these rules um that i've set out with this guy that i'm dating now and we had some really fun conversation last time we hung out for an extended period he lives a little far away um not super far it's not like long distance long distance but it's like kind of <laughs> yeah and uh we had this conversation about when we get negative for no reason and it's not healthy uh we would buzz each other and so we would just be hanging out and he would say i know that like it's kind of crazy to say this and i'd be like (laughs) because because it's like why don't be afraid don't live in fear don't say things based on self you know denial or self-deprecation just live your life just be in this moment and exist and so we would buzz each other. And so it was really fun. It was like the greatest. It was after a lot of talking and a lot of getting to know one another that we just developed this system of like, okay, you're going to go into this negative self-deprecatory, like self-denial place. And you're going to, you know, be, um, you know, self-conscious. And you're going to say this thing based on your self-consciousness. And then I was like, no, you know, bzz, no, you're not allowed to say this. And so uh, he would do the same to me, and it was great. It, it, it uh, really spawned some great conversation. And uh, help me get back to our thread here. So talking about the next ten, yeah. yeah. So the goal, I, I set some ground rules because he was like, "Well, then how do I know like what's okay and what's not?" And I was like, "Well, everything's okay if you follow two rules, in my opinion. Like if you follow two rules in dating, then everything's going to be okay because these are the two rules I have for myself: don't live in fear or don't be afraid." And two, uh, God, I don't remember exactly. Let me look up my text message. Talk riff. Yeah, so so <laughs> actually, yeah, that's one of the things that we uh, talked about over dinner. Oh, wait, do you hear that? <laughs> yes. <Bzz. laughs> that's the noise. That was the noise. <laughs> we would buzz each other. <laughs> nope, don't say that. <laughs> and sometimes it got to the point where it was hilarious and cute. Like, we would just be sitting there. And he would start to say something, he'd be like, hey, I, uh, and then he'd be like, Bzzz. and I was like, you're buzzing yourself? Like, what were you going to say? You have to say it now. And he's like, no, because it was buzzworthy. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but here's, here are my two rules. Okay. Uh, 
number one, don't be afraid or live in fear. Mm-hmm. And number two, be unapologetically honest about you need what you need and want in order to feel okay or safe with yourself. Those are my two rules for dating at this point, and I hope that those can carry forward, which is just don't be afraid and be unapologetically honest about what you want to be well with yourself. Not, not because it's what you think you should want, not because it's what you think is accepted by the other person, but because it's honestly what you feel that you need in order to be okay in the situation. Like I think so, that if you do those two things, then the shit's going to work out. Or not. So or it I've, won't. And then, you, then you'll know it's not right for you. So I feel like the second part of that thought uh, involves a lot of communication. Mm-hmm. Open honesty. And I feel like in my more successful relationships, that has been a big aspect of mm-hmm. it is the fact that we were truly able to be frank with one another. Yes. And the buzzing thing. So Mm -hmm. the buzzing thing. (laughs) Some people would not be cool with that. Definitely would not be cool with it. But there is something about that. And I think about it like ripping off a (laughs) Band-Aid where there's a very uncomfortable, uneasy moment but you're better off as soon as you're like, or it's like someone telling you that you have something in your teeth. Yeah, it is. It totally is. But it was like, that's why, oh, that's why I like him so much because he was like totally, it it was almost like we developed the plan together. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to buzz you now because you said a thing. No, it was like we we were just like talking and he was like, we keep saying things that are kind of negative and like based on past experience and we don't know each other that well yet. So it's kind of sad that we're like inserting these tropes from our past dating life uh, into, you know, a relationship that's new and, and should by all counts be pretty exciting and fun at this point. And I was like, yeah, it's just because we're like, pretty experienced and we've been through some stuff and we're weary of making the same mistakes and so that was where it came from it was like it it, we developed it together and that's why i like him i I was just like oh i really like this guy like he's totally game for doing this really vulnerable and really like honest thing and it was just fun it was like we spent this like couple days when i went to visit my old hometown where he lives um and it was just we just spent a couple of days hanging out and buzzing each other on some negative shit Burr. and it made it a really positive experience it was like we you know we recognized together and it was almost always agreed upon like he would like buzz and i'd be like yeah dude i was thinking that too <laughs> you're totally right you're totally saying that or i was too or you know whoever was saying it it was always like yeah yep uh-huh <laughs> let's let's go ahead and move on from that negative thought and I will say that there's a unique, going back to the breakup etiquette conversation, there's a unique thing that I think he and I understand, which I think was fostered by living in the town where we met each other, which was a town of about 175,000, where I lived for about nine years. And it is a town where you can easily go out to a bar and see the last nine years of your sexual and or dating history. Like, you can go out in one night, and you can look around you, and they're all there. I mean, it is a small town. And so, I mean, because the, the, you know, counterculture, the people who run together, the people who like to go to the live shows or like to go to the cool bars, 
they all go to the same ones. And so you're going to see everyone that you've, you know, been involved with often. And so, so it's almost like a defense mechanism to be really cool with your exes. So let me stop you there. <laughs> so what you're seeing, mm-hmm. so you run into people at these places. Yes. Would that be because you have a type? Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, but like everybody, oh, it's just so hard to escape there. I mean, like if you like certain types of, I mean, it's just it, everybody has a very similar type that ran together. And there was a pretty big group of us, you know, it's like a, a pretty decent crowd that would go to these bars or these music venues or what have you. And um, eventually you kind of all dated each other even different age range I mean you just would run into one another and even if you, it wasn't the same place every time you, there was still crossover you know there were still places you'd be like let's go to let's go to the pub and have a happy hour tonight and it's like oh there's that person I mean you just got really used to seeing the same people there was a there's a level of anonymity I really craved in St. Louis mm-hmm. I remember when I moved I was like oh god yes like I will be anonymous I will be able to go to bars then I can date online and I'll see those guys and then we'll have gone to a bar where they're regulars and I'll never see them again. I can attest to that fact. I have never seen, there's been, you know, in my like baby ass one week of online dating, there was a guy who was like, I always, I'm always here and I always drink in the back room and I, I just know these bartenders all by name. I haven't seen him once and I have pushed the limits on the chances, like not on purpose, but just like I've been like, oh God, I'm going to see that guy. And I have never... There's a level of anonymity I can achieve in this city that is just mind-blowing to me because of what I went through in my old city. Yeah. I was just, I'm shocked that I can be so anonymous for so long. I just it, it feels great. It was something I craved, but I realize I have a different way of interacting with my exes or maybe like a different level of tolerance for being friends with exes that was like a defense mechanism in my old town. And, and my current uh, dating partner understands that. He's, you know, still there, and he's lived there for 12 years. I lived there for nine. And uh, he kind of understands the same thing. He's like, yeah, you know, we see each other biweekly, and we're cool because we have to be. <laughs> you, just, you just have to learn how to be cool with those people. So I think, you know, I've carried that. Uh, I hesitate to call it a skill because I don't want to congratulate myself. I've carried that... Uh, knowledge or lesson with me into current experiences so that when my ex you know very recent ex moves into my building <laughs> it's like well it's not much different <laughs> it's like, you know i live streets away from all the motherfuckers in, <laughs> in that whole place so yeah i can handle it now so i mean i i when i think of that situation I mean, I think of it as a pretty huge violation of breakup etiquette. It is. It really, Uh, truly is. You know, so, and that's one of the things that I wanted to get into. So, uh, I find that it's a case-by-case situation for me, how I choose to handle a relationship after a breakup. So, for instance, I have... um, one person that I dated when I was in college, we are good friends now, and we talk, and she's, you know, she's married. Uh, but then I have another situation where immediately after the breakup, it was a 
I am going to block you mm-hmm. on every form yeah. of social media. So, so you had mentioned to me earlier off mic that um, you you left a lot of forms of social media and enable to get away from you know like uh, some past stuff, some some past stuff. Yeah. So, what what has that been like for you? I guess first off, why did you choose to do just that so it was like a it was kind of a multi-layered thing and mostly honestly which has just been the theme of this year was based on my own needs Uh, a lot of things have kind of come um around to like okay i'm gonna do what i need like i've i've done a lot of what other people need trying to you know people please or or make a situation right that wasn't right i i put the responsibility a lot on myself and i was like you know what i'm gonna take responsibility for my own happiness now and I really felt like I was super unhealthily addicted to outside expectation and maybe a bit of that uh, that uh, self-destructive empathy thing. Mm-hmm. Like people, women even, men, women, whoever, who hadn't talked to me in years, I was concerned with whether they had liked you know, an Instagram photo. And if they did, oh God. Like it was like, oh, why? Oh, do they want to talk to me again? Oh, why are they still watching my life? What do they think of my life? Does my life look good to them? Like, fuck. Like it was just exhausting. And I was like, I was already at a place where I was questioning the health of, you know, the Snapchat, Facebook, uh, Twitter, you know, Instagram, like the, the huge mound of shit on my head every day that I would just like spend all my time on. And I was like, I was already questioning that. And then I had kind of a falling out with someone that I used to date who, you know, would try to kind of reach out via some of those channels after I had unfollowed. And I was like, "Eh, it's just like the cherry on top. I'm ready to go. Like I I had a thought a Tuesday before I had deleted uh, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and Facebook from my phone. And uh, he had sent me a direct message of a picture from a trip he took. And I was like, man, I just want to be, I just want to be unavailable to you. Like, I just want some space. I just want to be away. And so I deleted all of it because I had already thought about how it was unhealthy for me as as an individual and then how there were unhealthy channels to people that were better left alone for a while. And uh, and so I, I had this little buzz on a Tuesday where I was like, man, I could just delete it all. I could just disappear. And I had this like, effervescent feeling i was like oh god how good would that feel and i was like why not then like why not what am i thinking that this adds to my life that i can't live without like why am i attached to this in such a way that i can't just cut it out and i was like i can holy shit i can i have that power i have that power over my own personal life that i can cut out all of the modern channels that we consider the ways that we keep in touch with people (laughs) (laughs) and still have a life and I so can what's crazy about it is that I put up a post that I was going to delete my Instagram and I got two or three texts from females who I had been wanting to make closer friendships with who were like hey I saw you're going to delete your Instagram we should hang out in real life and they I hung out with one of the girls and she was like yeah I saw you're going to delete it and I was like well I better make a real connection because I don't know how I'll get in touch with her I was like, holy shit, this is great. Like, there are some things that have been so great about it. I've made closer connections with people who I wanted to know better in real life. But 
really it was just kind of like an amalgamation of like done I was just done and it felt so good like at the day that I did it I was like I cleared off on my phone and I remember driving I did a road trip a couple like a week or two later and I could listen to um Spotify and uh a couple of the music apps I could listen to all the way down I could listen to on like a three or four hour drive and I was like, I don't care at all about my data. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to worry about my data limit because I have deleted all the shit that sucked my data and my time. I mean, honestly, I've been able to like read more Toni Morrison and Steinbeck that have been sitting on my <laughs> uh, coffee table for like three months unfinished. I've been able to watch a show and actually look at the TV while I was watching the show instead of scrolling through Instagram while I was playing a show in the background. And it's just been interesting how much I've been participating in uh, real uh, interactions with with my, you know, immediate present and with people in my life and with my job. I mean, how that's the thing. Confront how often you get on your phone at work. It's rough right now to get on like Facebook. I, I have Facebook still because I have some past students who communicate with me only on Facebook. And I'm like, I can't can't fully deactivate that it just would break my heart because there there are people that i don't have their phone numbers they live in different countries so uh there are people i talk to on a semi-regular basis and i'm like can't cut them out so i kept facebook well that is just like the portal of all that is real and crushing right now and so i'll look at you know i'll look at facebook for a five minute you know work hiatus and then i'm like depressed for the rest of the day like, I can't focus on what I'm doing or what I'm supposed to be doing. So there's been some <laughs> serious benefits to detaching slightly from social media um, that, that were unforeseen and that weren't even part of my original decision, but have been really freeing. One of the things that I think has been really damaging, and it's interesting because uh, my guest last week was 25 mm-hmm. and she has never used a dating app has never used a dating website and she found it valuable like she she felt better off and felt like that she, she hadn't yeah so I feel like one of the problems is that we get so caught up in social media that that becomes reality to a lot of people. And you're suddenly giving thought to what you said earlier. Yes. Why is this person liking this yes. Twitter post? Or, or Why is this woman who hasn't spoken to me in two years suddenly liking a selfie? Like, what, what does she think of me? Why, why does she think of me at all when she hasn't answered my texts to hang out? You know, it's just, like, weird. It's weird shit. It shouldn't so, matter. That person isn't giving you their energy, so why is my emotional and, and uh, intellectual energy so tied up in their own opinion? So to tie it back to dating, even, you know, I feel mm-hmm. like social media brings in a different aspect. So... do i post this picture of my partner do i tag them do i you know do i add them on facebook when do i add someone on (laughs) facebook when we start dating so true i do like i i mean it's very confusing to me 
how it's confusing do I and, and then like is it too soon like uh oh i had this whole conversation that centered around this issue um with my with my neighbor ex who is now my best friend which mm-hmm. is confusing i realize but he really is and uh you I, said it not me i messaged him uh when a long distance ex started dating someone who was even longer distance than me and mm-hmm. i was a little butthurt about it and they <laughs> hung out uh and he posted a picture of them on their first date. And I was like, holy shit, he never posted a picture of me in two years. In the two years, a year and eight months, whatever, that we were like hanging out, he never once posted a picture of our two faces next to each other. And I was like, what? Like, how am I so stupid? Like, how did I not see that? Okay, wait, wait, wait. He posted a picture on the first first date. date. They had hung out before, but never as more than friends. Oh. And he posted a picture of them together on their first date. Did he tag her? Oh, yes. And Oof. so and so, I was Oof. like butthurt about it. And my Oof. neighbor ex, bless his heart, was like, you're just reading too much into it. And he was just trying to make me feel better. I'm like, no, I'm not. And so the guy that I'm dating currently posted a picture of us the first time we hung out. <laughs> and I was like, at that point, I had deleted Instagram. And I was like, well, I can't even see it, but I see you posting it. And I was like, man, that means something, right? But, like, why? Like, why Like why can I be that caught up in some shit that shouldn't affect me anymore, A, and B, shouldn't affect how much I like a person that is new? Like, it was just so weird. But I was really concerned with that comparison because I had just made that comparison to my best friend. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he posted a picture of her. He's, like, talking me down. He's like, you're way overreacting. You need to calm down. He's just doing it because blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't understand all the reasons. I was like, no, really, you're just trying to make me feel better. It's bullshit. And then <laughs> and then the uh, then this guy that I'm dating currently was, like, you know, psyched to hang out with me. Posted a picture of me and my guy friend and him immediately like the first time we hung out and i was like oh my god he did it too he likes me a lot (laughs) but like that seriously affects you like you start to read into things like that you're right it makes a big difference and so then imagine the pressure you feel when you're like am i gonna post this kissy pic of me and this dude or am i gonna never like i feel like you have to really you have to start to really consider things from that perspective if you're reading into them you're affected by it that way so, I, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, for things like that, it just makes things so confusing <laughs> for me because, you know, I think back to situations where, you know, I might have started dating someone or I have a picture that I want to post and it's like, is it too soon? Yeah. I have this picture, but I don't want to post it. Like, yeah. It puts you in a really weird place. So, to get back, you know, uh, before we wrap, but, like, breakup etiquette. So, for instance, on my end, Mm -hmm. uh, something that I've dealt with recently, I had an ex that um, put me on limited profile (laughs) on Facebook after we broke up. And I, I didn't don't. Even know that was a thing. <laughs> it is. So, so like what? <laughs> all I could see actually oh, yeah, was like private. But she unfriended you, right? No, she didn't. What? So all I could see was like her profile picture. Couldn't write on her wall, and I just saw a previous post that she tagged me in. I don't even know how this stuff works. 
Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> this is why I'm off it. <laughs> the internet is dumb and we shouldn't use it. This, this is the modern dating podcast <laughs> yeah. conclusion. Fuck the internet. <laughs> Ends of the season. We're done. Bah. Yeah. So so she, she essentially blocked me without defriending me. Okay. So what what happened? This what went happened? on for like a year. And then um finally one day she shows up in my news feed. And it is a picture of her and her new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay. Whatever. You know, I've moved on, I'm seeing someone else, obviously, and I'm uh, obviously, yeah, <laughs> obviously, yeah, and, and you know, like I'm, I'm very happy in that situation. So, uh, so it really didn't bother me, and I was like, oh, good for you. You're looking at something. Like, I thought you wrote Freebird, but you wrote Freedom. Freedom. <laughs> I'm reading his notes upside down. Uh, oh, and I thought yeah. it said Freebird, and I was like, no, that's not my exit song. My exit song is Laundry by J Cole. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so <laughs> slowly but surely, more and more pictures started filtering into my feed. So what I realized was she made a concerted effort to show me just those posts. Yes, you told me about this. So yeah, it's yeah. petty it's as petty fuck. fuck. Petty LaBelle. That is the first <laughs> time that I've cursed oh my God. this episode. You've made up for my 49. Yeah. yeah. Uh, petty. Really incredibly petty. petty. Yeah. And it was so bad that I just went straight to the defriend button. Good. And I was like, Fuck I off. don't need that in my yes. life, you know? And so, but it made me think about breakup etiquette. Like, mm. what, how, what do you, you know, like, what should I do? And the right. You know, what should I do to exit? Not in a defensive, I'm going to see you downtown way, but in like a real adult way where you live in a real city, which is a totally different thing I'm finding. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Unless they move into your building. So I, I, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which I I don't know what this last bit about freedom is that I jotted down. I should have been more specific. That is a blue tongue skink. Uh, that is sitting on the table, but I have uh, this lizard, this uh, plastic lizard. I was very curious whether his tongue would pop out if I squeezed it. It does not. No, 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 no. The so is not squeezable. So before we wrap, I I always want to give the guest an opportunity to ask a question of you. Uh, yeah. So for instance, last week. Uh, the guest last week asked, she's like, well, what do you think in terms of when do you make the the transition into saying that you're dating someone? Mm. Because that's weird. Mm-hmm. You typically don't sit down and have that conversation. So, mm. you know, why I said I was... I think you do, but I'm dating a 35-year-old, so... Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> even know if it's a maturity thing, though. But the bullshit's been burnt down. I, I, I don't even know if it's a bullshitty thing, it though. You know, because I've it found isn't, that... It's like a feeling between... I mean, it's like a... Oh, 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 you're you just navigating. hit that point. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think of, like... The most mature relationships that I've had as an adult. And that's like, we're there, you know, mm-hmm. and, and 
we discuss a lot of things and we're very open and we communicate very well but even that was one of those things where she just introduced me as her boyfriend Mm, weird yeah so never done that yeah so that's the type of question so if there's a big picture modern dating thing that you topic that you want mm. to discuss or... oh i have a question for listeners yeah it's really rude of me fire away it's super important get you a glass of wine and I have... <laughs> sit down on the couch and ask yourself what you're most afraid of in dating in general what is your biggest fear is it rejection is it uh judgment is it which is a form of rejection i guess Mm -hmm. but is it um is it a breakup is it abandonment is it uh disappointment is it disillusionment or the revelation of a disillusionment later ask yourself what your biggest fear is in dating or in a relationship i think it's a super important question to answer before you do it or while you do it i think it's a super important thing to like come to terms with with yourself uh i'm breaking everything Uh, that's a phone (laughs) to uh i think it's a super important question to ask yourself before you kind of proceed in whatever you're going through so uh, yeah, ask yourself what you're afraid of and why. So so I'm going to ask you. Obviously, you mm-hmm. can't pose that question no, no, no. I'll without answer. answering. So and and I will answer as well. So yeah. don't worry. Yeah, it's good. Dear listeners, <laughs> you'll hear both of us answer this question before we wrap. So I mean, what what what's yours? What's your biggest Being fear in dating? Wrong. Oh, I like to think I'm right. Yeah. I really like to be sure about things. And we I don't think I have think the capacity right. anymore. I think that I've like gotten past the capacity for rightness anymore. So I guess it is disillusionment. I guess it's like the looking back moment where you're like, oh, shit. I was super wrong about that person. And why did I lie to myself? And why did I not notice these things that weren't right? Or why did I ignore? Why did I choiceably ignore the things that I knew weren't right? And so for me, it's it's being wrong. It's for it's for me. It's like committing slash uh, devoting myself to a situation, and then being like, "Ah, damn it, wrong choice." Yeah, I I think for me on my end, um, it's more of a disappointment thing. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to let my partner down. I want them to be able to um, almost to be proud of me you know uh like an abandonment ish issue but it's not fully well no i i I think it's more of a like are they going to feel comfortable with me as a partner in the sense of like if something comes up at work or Mm -hmm. in the office Mm -hmm. where they're not afraid to talk about me because they're embarrassed to date me or because I have nothing going point. on. Oh you my know? god. I, That's so, deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it's it's really yeah. like I want to be a better person for them. Yeah. Because I I feel like, you Aww. know, in the end it's just one of those things yeah. like you know, like I am proud to date them. 
but I want that to be reciprocal. reciprocal. Yeah, 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 really, really. Maybe that's true for me too. Maybe yeah. it's a reciprocity thing. Like whether I think I've had a lot of situations that weren't reciprocal where I put out more than uh, I felt like that person was feeling about me. And so, yeah, it's true. It's like you really want to be on the same page. It's scary. It's scary to put yourself out there. It is really scary. Mm. And I, I think that's a, a wonderful way to, to to wrap the discussion up. I mean, it, it, dating is scary. And it, it is very vulnerable. Mm. And that's something that I personally have struggled with as mm. I've dated post-college is the vulnerability. I mean, you're putting yourself out there. <laughs> you are giving someone else the power to destroy you. <laughs> and the window into yourself that you don't usually give platonic friends. Yeah. Usually. It's a deeper level. Mm-hmm. But not a lot of people see and experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so terrifying. <laughs> but but it, that kind of vulnerability uh, sets you up for a great reward in the ends in yeah. terms of a successful relationship. So with that, yes. dear listeners, please feel free to uh, rate us on iTunes, leave a comment, uh, promote this podcast to your friends, delete the podcast, stop following, do whatever you please. But uh, thank you for another wonderful episode of Swiped. And you, dear listener, should know that I would swipe right on you anytime. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And we will be back with a fresh episode next week. Bye. Goodbye. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>